Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing today? Everybody happy? Yes. All right. Oh, you can do better than that. Say praise the Lord, somebody. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. All right. So who is your source? Who is, your, is your job your source? Is the government your source? Is your husband or wife your source? Well, I, I, you know, some people, they marry somebody because they know they got rich relatives. Woo-wee. And they're hoping for a big payday someday, huh? Why don't you just call your mom or dad and ask them? Hmm? Who's your source? Now, I'm, I'm teaching on... Well, I'll just turn over here, all right? I'm just going to turn over here and let the Word of God speak for itself. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Are you listening today? I want you to listen very carefully today. All right, I love you. God bless you. Good to see you. You're feeling better, huh? You're feeling better. God bless you. Jesus made you feel better, didn't he? Amen. All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. All right. Do I have your attention today? All right. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Now, I'm reading the message translation. I'll go back and read the King James. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, And gave himself for it. One more time with the message. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Now, the reason that that is significant is because uh, as a man, we have something in our lives called testosterone (laughs) boy it's quiet in this here jailhouse isn't it and testosterone makes a man feel like a man and there's nothing quite like the manly feelings that a man gets when he is in love with his wife and she is in love with him and there's something special that happens can you say amen Now, listen, I'm going to go down here a little bit and read verse 32 in the Amplified Translation. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. This mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. Say the mystery mystery. of Christ and the church. What's he talking about in this whole chapter? Are you familiar with this chapter? Anybody familiar with this chapter? Let's go back and read some of it. Verse 21. I'm in the message translation. Verse 21, Ephesians 5. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. That's universal in the body of Christ. I'm supposed to treat you with courteous reverence. Amen. I'm supposed to treat the women in the church like they're my sisters or my daughters or my mothers. There's only one woman on earth that has other privileges. 
Amen? And I'm supposed to act that way. Amen? Can you say amen? Men, you are too. There's supposed to be one woman in your life that has special privileges. The rest of them are either to be treated like sisters or mothers or daughters. Right? Wives, verse 22, here's some very politically incorrect scriptures we're about to read. Understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. Now remember the scripture I read a minute ago. This is the mystery of Christ in the church. The mystery is revealed in the husband-wife relationship. There's so, it's so, so deep spiritually. Now listen to me. If you're single, or you're married, or you're divorced, or you're in a tough marriage, or you're too young to be married, this still applies. There's a mystery in the Bible that you can see in a godly marriage. Amen. You know, the crazy thing is I never knew anything about marriage till after I got divorced. It was awful. It was awful. But I spent 11 years after my first marriage failed letting God teach me about marriage. And then he brought Cindy into my life. Now, I don't know everything yet. I still make mistakes. But you know, there's something special about marriage that makes you a better Christian. And whether you're married or not, you can learn from the mystery, the image of a, of a godly marriage that you see in Christ and His church. Like I say, whether you're single or not. So this applies to everybody in the sound of my voice, right? Can you say amen? Yeah. All right. The husband, verse 23 in the message translation, provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Say politically incorrect, right? But we're going to stay with the Bible in this church, right? Not domineering, but by cherishing. I say it like this many times, men... You got to give that woman something to submit to. The woman that I married, I mean, I could beat her arm wrestling. That's about it. I mean, I can't overcome her mentally. I can't just shout her down and, and, and make her cower in the corner like a whooped pup. She'll come out fighting in ways that I don't want to fight. You know, I'm thinking about, I was thinking about this when I was praying this morning. You know, the Bible says, I, think, I believe it's 1 Timothy 6.12, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Fight the good fight of faith, right? You know what a good fight is? It's one you win, trust me on this one, brother. I've been in some that I did not win, right? <laughs> you want to hear about some of them? I remember once back in the day I was going to school. And I grew up in some tough neighborhoods, you know. There were some things going on. And I had a group of girls chase me to school with jump ropes, whooping me with jump ropes. That is not a good fight. <laughs> that, was, that was not one of my finer moments, let me tell you. There was another time I picked a fight with a kid. His name was, uh, this was first grade. And if you remember the kid's name from first grade, okay, his name was Daniel... Jonathan, 
Daniel, if you're watching today, God bless you. You taught me something about life and about fighting. That kid scratched me. I mean, I still have scars from first grade where he took chunks of meat out of my head with his fingernails. That was not a good fight. <laughs> I remember another one. One time I went to, back to my old neighborhood and uh, some kid said, uh, what's your name, kid? You know where this is going, right? <laughs> We're going to fight, right? So I learned, I went to 22 schools. I never was a bad dude. I'm not, a, I'm not, no, I'm not Keith Moore, okay? I'm not no cage fighter. I'm not uh, Conor McGregor or nothing like that, man. But I learned one thing early on. You want to get the first lick in. <laughs> you want to get the first haymaker in there if you can, right? <laughs> can you say amen? What's this got to do with marriage? Well, everything. <laughs> And uh, what's your name, kid? And he was bigger and stronger than me and older than me. And he liked the girl that I used to live next door to. And so he was out to prove something, right? What's your name, kid? And shove me. That's all I needed. You know, I, when they shove me, as soon as they shove, I swing, right? I hit him right in the mush, hard as I could. And uh, now he don't want to box no more for some reason. Now he wants to wrestle, okay? <laughs> you ever been in one of them? It starts out boxing, now we're going to wrestle. Okay, I thought we are boxing, okay. So he gets me down on the ground, and he's grinding my face into the pavement. And he's got his knee on my, in my, you know, on my face, you know. And back in those days, they'd make you say uncle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a long time ago. He says, say uncle. That means you give, right? I said, all right, I give, or uncle, or whatever it was I had to say, right? And I got up, dusted myself off a little bit, and hit him right in the mouth as hard as I could again. And now he wants to wrestle some more. Okay. So he gets me down on the ground. This is... <laughs> gets me down on the ground, makes me say it again. And about that time, the parents come out. And they pulled us apart. So I guess I ended the fight on my feet, huh? Right? Well, that was a little bit better fight. But I could just tell you... Anytime you're fighting with the one that God put together in, with you in your life, it's probably not a good fight. Yeah. It's probably not a good fight. You just don't learn a lot when you're fighting with the one that you love. You just don't learn a lot, except you really don't like it. It's really destructive, and it's really not very smart. Because God gave you somebody to love you and to be your companion and to help you and to help, help you through life. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're just, it's, we get in these dumb fights because we're proud. And we say things and we got to get the last word. And we got to get, you know, we got to make our opinion known. And the next thing you know, you're having a ridiculous argument where people get hurt and you can't even remember why. That is not a good fight. That is not a good fight. Praise the Lord. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, like I've said many times, fellas, you've got to give that woman something to submit to. Now, I want to talk about money today. I want to talk about money. A lot of times Christian people, Christian people, married Christian people <laughs> that go to church, that carry Bibles, that were raised in church, fight over money. Just look straight ahead and say, amen, pastor. I'm sure somebody needs to hear about this. 
Amen. Yeah, Christian people that love the Lord, that speak in tongues, that have been baptized in water, fight over money. And I could just tell you that uh, divorce, you know, divorce uh, doesn't have anything to do. I got divorce papers one time. It never said on there, you can't love that woman no more. Because when I got the divorce papers, I still loved that woman. It didn't, the papers didn't change that overnight. Um, the divorce papers didn't say you can't live with that woman no more. The divorce papers didn't say you can't uh, raise your children no more together with that woman. All it talked about was dividing the money. That's what divorce is. And, you know, I, I taught on the radio. If you look at brianlee.org, go to the bottom of the page and hit categories. Uh, I think it's a series I did. God showed me some stuff, a series that I called, I think it's the most accurate barometer. Uh, and the thesis statement of the, that series that I did on the radio years ago was the way that we handle money is perhaps the most accurate barometer of our deeper spiritual life. Now, a barometer doesn't change the weather, does it? It just kind of shows you the weather patterns that are moving in. You know, when they say there's a rising barometer, you know better weather's coming. When the barometer's falling, you know that some storms are moving in, right? If you look at the way that the two of you in marriage handle money, or if you're not married, the way that you and the Lord deal with money. Is there dishonesty between me and the Lord? Like Sister read here today, the whole tithe belongs to the Lord, right? That don't change. I can't wave my hand and change that scripture. The tithe belongs to the Lord. So if I, if the way that I handle money in my marriage to Christ doesn't agree with the covenant, right? then I have a broken relationship and it is exemplified by my mishandling of money. Let me say this to you. <clears throat> a spiritually mature person knows how to handle money. That's a bold statement. I'm saying it lovingly and tenderly. A spiritually mature person knows how to handle money. Boy, it's quiet in here. I know some people that don't love the Lord. They, they don't love the Lord at all like you do. But they handle money better than some of us do. So I'm not saying that, again, it's a barometer. I'm not saying that just because you know how to handle money, you're spiritually mature. But if you are spiritually mature, you should know how to handle money. Now, in a marriage, there's a, there's a spectrum of the way that people get along. And the rules that apply in my house may not apply in your house. Right? In some houses, the husband handles all the finances. In some houses, the wife handles all the finances. In some houses, they work on it together. They sit down. They're real... Both type A personalities, they get everything out on the table and they, everything's written down and everything's understood and everything's discussed. But the truth is, is that most of us were somewhere in this continuum between I'm going to handle the whole thing, you're going to handle the whole thing, and I have some input or I have no input 
or you're going to handle it and I have some input or no input. Are you following me? Yeah. I'm just going to share with you a little bit about how we do it. Uh, God taught me how to handle money after I became a Christian. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about writing a little pamphlet, <laughs> book, True Confessions of a Word of Faith Preacher. One year, probably about 25 or 28 years ago, I bounced 50 checks. <laughs> Smile, everybody. I, need, I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn. I've, God's brought me a long way from there. You know, when you, when you go on vacation, you should come home to an orderly checkbook. I didn't always come home to an orderly checkbook. Seems like every time we left town, some disaster would strike, either with my checkbook or in my business, and I'm trying to relax on vacation, and some nonsense is going on back home. And I gotta try to deal with it instead of relaxing on the beach, working on my tan, I'm back here trying to avoid overdraft charges, late fees. Say no more late fees. No more late. You shouldn't be paying no late fees. You shouldn't be paying excessive usurious interest. There's no reason for that. You may have to curtail some of your spending for a period of time to get that debt under control. And if you cannot get your debt under control, stop using it. Stop using it. I had to stop using it completely for a number of years. And, and then the Lord let me use it a little bit. Right? Say a little bit. And I thought, well, I got this. And it started going south again. And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, this, you got to know what your limits are. You have to know it's deceptive. They make it so easy to get into and so hard to get out of. But people get divorced over credit cards. Boy, I'm going in a lot of directions here, aren't we here? Used to be that we went on vacation, and it was all, you know, I mean, I put on a happy face and tried to make it look like I'm having fun. But it was a mess. I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I was putting stuff, you know, I mean, uh, I, I was cleaning out my bank. Oh, I don't use any, I don't use any credit. I don't use credit cards. Okay, well, I cleaned out my bank account to go on vacation and come home and bills are coming in against an empty bank account. We don't do that no more. We don't do that no more. We put money away every week for vacation. Next year. Next year. I, listen, this is one of the things that God taught me about how to handle money. I put money away every week. First of all, where, what do you think's first? What do you think's first? Friends, the, the tithe, I chop off the tithe on all of my streams of income. And I have multiple streams of income. Stuff, all the money that comes into me, I chop off the tithe and put it in a bank account right away. If it's cash, I still staple it. I did that not too long ago. I got a few thousand dollars in some transaction. I took a few hundred bucks and stapled it and stuck it somewhere so I wouldn't forget. Right? So I wouldn't spend it. But uh, when things come in electronically, you have to make electronic transfers and put it in the bank account that where it belongs. Yeah, yeah, that's first, right? That goes first. But after that, you know... Every week we send a check. I'm just going to tell you, every week we send a check to Kenneth Copeland. Every week. 
my father in the faith. I'm not going to turn my back on my father in the faith. Are you kidding me? And it's not just him. We send money to a bunch of different uh, ministries that have helped us enormously through the decades. You don't turn your back on those that have helped you. Amen. That's dishonorable. Now, if they start going south and they stop preaching the gospel or they start getting weird, check up on them. That's why we go see them face to face. So we know where it's going. Say amen. amen. So yeah, tithe first and then my, my seed, my offering, and wherever that's designated and where that's supposed to go, that goes every week. Amen. And we have people that we give to monthly. Amen. Well, then I invest every week. I take money every week. I chop off a big chunk and put it in my brokerage account to invest. Say amen. I don't got that much money. We'll start with $8 and stop going to Wendy's four times a day. Amen. You can do this. Say amen. Amen. You know, when I I used to... (laughs) Be nice, Pastor. Be sweet to the people. I was so broke. In 1992, I moved into... Calling it a cabin is, is uh, pretty generous. I loved living there. <laughs> but I mean, I, I went in the, in the fall, because I was in the lawn business, I hadn't yet figured out how to make money in the winter. I would go down to Cub Foods and load up my Subaru Till it was groaning to get up the hill to my cabin with canned food in the fall. Every year I'd do this. And then I, I had a big trash can with a lid that seals, you know, so the critters can't get in it. And I'd get me a big bag, bag of brown rice and a big bag of beans. And I ate like a king all winter long, man. Amen. Amen. You got to make some provision, you got to be wise. If you're going through a tough time, you got to be smart. You can't be going to Wendy's five, six times a day, amen. Well, I just never have no money. Well, are you tithing? Well, no, I can't do that. Well, then you're on your own. It's got to start here, right? we got to remember the tithe is the Lord's, like the sister reminded us today. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So we, do, we, we, we set aside the tithe. We don't forget those that have helped us, right? And we invest. You should start, if, even if all you're doing is a savings account, or go, go to your bank and say, hey, I want to start investing something really safe. They're going to show you a couple things that are really safe. And depending on your risk tolerance, you know, and how much you can lose, you know, pray about it. You don't have to do everything they say. Pray about it. See what works for you. I mean, most of these banks are offering you something like 8, 10% on, a, on a, um, a mutual fund or an index fund. 8, 10%. If you do that over a lifetime, you'll be wealthy by the time you're my age. That's right. Amen. That's, that's like a, a, a Al Gore's hockey stick. It's the eighth wonder of the world. All of a sudden, after a few years, it just goes like that. Even at 8 or, what was that? Even at eight or 10%, it goes up. Uh, uh, Warren Buffett said the se- his secrets to investing, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, multi-billionaire, right? He says his secrets to investing are number one, start. Number two, don't stop. Amen. It's not hard. We want to spend it on bubble gum and shiny things to impress people. 
Brother, when you get to be my age, you don't, you're not too, so much worried about impressing nobody no more. You want to take care of mom and them. Amen. That's, that's impressive. When your wife wants something and you can buy it for her. This says, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Exactly as Christ did for the church. Did Jesus get his stuff first or did he get your stuff first? He put your needs first. Men, this is what we're... Smile, Pastor. This is what we're supposed to do. Fellas, this is what we're called to do. Do you understand what Pastor's saying here today? I like to buy guns. You go to that church where the pastor has guns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was raised with guns. Where I, where I came from, even hippies had guns. Come on. In a gun rack, in the window, in the back of their truck, in the high school parking lot. Brother, when, when, come on, you got people nodding back here. For show and tell, when I was a junior in high school, me and my friend carried a high-powered rifle and a shotgun in the front door of our high school. I kid you not. And nobody said nothing. So don't, you know, don't criticize me because I like guns. I've never shot nobody that didn't need shooting real bad. I mean, come on. <laughs> Dude, if somebody came to hurt my family... I would shoot them graveyard dead with, and I would not lose no sleep with no conscience in Jesus name. Amen. It's either you or my family. That is not a decision. That decision has been made a long time ago. Just like Christ did for the church. He gave his life. If they put me in prison, I'm not afraid of going to prison, brother. I'll just tell you, I've been there before. It's not that scary. I speak the language. I like the food. I can work out everything. You know, everything's cool. Not worried about it. <laughs> Your pastor is a little different, yes. I like to buy guns. I like to buy fishing poles. I used to do it without checking with her. And I found out that hurts her feelings. So I just check with her and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying a gun. I could go out and write a check and, or use my debit card. I got money in the bank. I could buy whatever gun I want right now. But is that putting her first? Boy, it's quiet in here. You can hear the air conditioning. Huh? And you know, I found out that oh, I just talked to her. It's called communication. It's a Greek word, koinonio. It means sharing on a deep, intimate level. It's not my money. It's our money. She's my partner. I don't have any right to just go spend money frivolously on myself without consulting her. She's my partner. Now, you've got to find where you, where you, what works for you. I don't have to check with her to buy chewing gum at the 7-Eleven. We've made it that far down life's road. Amen. I don't check with her every single time I need a pair of socks. Now, I do say something like, I think I'm going to go buy me some jeans. And she usually has a little bit of input for me. Right? 
don't buy this or don't get that. I'm like, okay, all right, that's cool. Would you mind if I, I, I check with her when I buy clothing. If I go buy a t-shirt, I may not check with her and say I'm going to buy some t-shirts. I'm just being honest with you and getting everything out on the table here for you. But I don't go buy guns and fishing poles without checking with her. Because I found out that it hurts her feelings. Now, <clears throat> husbands go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. I want my wife to be happy. I want her to have everything she wants. You know, she don't ask for much. I'm blessed. She just doesn't ask for much. I have to talk her into stuff. I had to talk her into getting that car we got. But it was very satisfying. Friends, this is the mystery of Christ and his church. He's got to talk us into stuff. He wants us to have everything. And we're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really need that. He's like, I didn't ask you if you need it. Do you want that? And I asked Cindy that sometimes. I said, what do you want? And she's like, well, I just want to be with my kids. You know, I just want everybody to get along. Right, right, right. Isn't that what they say? And I'm like, come on, don't you want something? Don't you want something special? <laughs> and you got to talk her into it sometimes. And I think Jesus does the exact same thing with us. He's trying to talk us into it. I can get you a building. It's not a problem, you guys. Do you think, do you think it's a problem for the Lord to give us a building? He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He's holding all your subatomic particles together, I mean effortlessly, from the foundation of the universe. He knows the names of all the planets, all the stars. We can't even count them with statistical analysis. We can't even count them and he knows all their names. He can get us a building. He's got to talk us into it though. As, as husbands, gentlemen, as husbands... We need to minister to our wives the same way. we got to put their thing first. Make sure, you know, is, do you want a purse? Make, make sure she's got all the purses she wants. Come on, this is the Bible I'm teaching here, guys. Come on. Does she need shoes? Check with her. Check with her. <laughs> Come on, does she need clothes? I know we're being you know, practical here. Check with her. Does she need clothes? Is she sacrificing for the family? That's not her place. It's not her place. She's not called to sacrifice her life for your marriage. The men are called to lay down their lives like Jesus did. Did I misspeak? No. Am I reading the Bible? Yes. I'll read it again. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. Like I say, men, you've got to give her something to submit to. You do this, she's going to rise up and call you blessed. Is that right, women? Yeah. If, we, if, I, if we put the women first, are the women going to make, your life, make the men's lives a lot better? Come on. But if we're stressing them out all the time. With financial woes. Gentlemen, do your level best to relieve your, 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 your wife of any financial stress. 
Who's your source? Who's your, gentlemen, who is your source? Are you your source? Is your career your source? Is your education your source? Is your opportunities your source? Or is Jesus your source? When you look at that woman and she doesn't have what she needs, she doesn't have what she desires, she doesn't have the clothing that she desires, that should touch some place in your heart, gentlemen. And if you don't have the money, listen, I've been there. Look at me. I've been there. I know what it's like to not have money for food. When I, when I went through my first divorce, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> you'd hate to be a preacher and exaggerate, wouldn't you? I almost said a thousand times a day. How about a hundred times a week minimum? I heard the devil in the side of my head saying, you'll never be worth nothing to nobody. This divorce is going to ruin you. You'll, nobody will ever want you. You'll be on the trash heap of life. You'll never be worth nothing to nobody. You'll never dig your way out of this. That's a pretty good indication that God's got a good plan for your life. God wants to make a masterpiece out of you. God, amen. God wants to turn that situation around and make something out of the trash heap of your life. If the devil's telling you you... If the devil's telling you you cannot be saved... He is a liar from the foundation of the world and the father of it. That is an excellent indication that in the mind, of, in the heart and the mind of Almighty God, you've already been saved a long time. You got to take it, though. You got to take what's yours. That's right. You can't passively wait for God to do something. He already sent Jesus. What more do you want Him to do? He already sent Jesus who died for your sins, was raised from the dead. Now he waits for you to make a confession of faith. Just like the groom stands at the altar and waits for the bride to come and say, I do. The groom is already, by his standing there, indicating before God and man that he is already in covenant with that woman. <laughs> and the wife is the whosoever, right? in the mystery of Christ in the church. Praise the Lord, there's a lot I wanna say, it's big in me here, I just wanna make sure I say this right, so you get it right. Thank you, Lord, worship you, Jesus, worship you, Lord, worship you, Lord, worship you, Jesus. God wants his uh, people to be in covenant. Did you know that God is a covenant-keeping God? Did you know God, God is a covenant-making God and a covenant-keeping God, did you know that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Pray with me for just a minute here, would you please? Surita loco Thank you, Lord. Malachi chapter 2, please. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 2 if you go to Matthew and turn back one book you'll find Malachi he is the last prophet of the Old Testament <clears throat> I'm going to read I believe this is the uh, the message I think I have here printed out today thank you Lord I worship you Jesus worship you Lord 
Torri Belirgia Poporisha from Borgia. Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Listen, you priests. This is verse 1. This command is for you. Now, <clears throat> the parallel of the priests in the Old Testament would be the preachers in the New Testament. Can you follow that? Listen, you priests, this command is for you. Listen to me and make, uh, make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warnings to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with the manure from your festival animal sacrifices. And I will throw you on the manure pile. You think God's serious about this? You think he's upset about the situation he's talking about here? Or you think he's joking around? He says, I'm going to splatter your face with manure. <laughs> That's not good. Say, not okay, right? The, now, so what's he talking about? Then at last you will know that it, uh, that it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant, say covenant, with the Levites, Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. And that is what I gave them. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to me the people. They passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many lives of from many from lives of sin. The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God. That is universal, Old Testament and New. The, word, the preacher's lips are supposed to preserve the knowledge of God for his people. And I can just tell you as a pastor, I know that people have problems with marriage, relationships, sex, communication, money, etc. Amen. Just look straight ahead and say, I heard about that stuff. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> come on down here, Pastor. All right, you're okay. The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge uh, of God, and people should go to him for instruction, for the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 8. But the priests have left God's paths. In many denominations now, they're not teaching on marriage anymore. Or they're, they're talking about gay marriage and this other stuff. They haven't preserved knowledge. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant that I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people. That's why people don't want to go to church no more, huh? For you have not obeyed me. See, pe preachers think that they preach it too hard that people will be afraid to go to church. It's just the opposite. If you preach it too soft, nobody wants to go to church. Now, we don't preach condemnation, but we are going to stick with the word. And it is a sharp two-edged sword. I can't change that. Right? Yes. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, I mean, a sharp two-edged sword, what would that seem to indicate? It can cut both ways. It can cut the junk off your life, but if you disobey it, it'll cut into you. Amen. You know how that goes, right? 
For you have not obeyed me, but you have shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. Oh, here we go. Verse 10. Are we not all children of the same father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do you betray each other, violating the covenant of your ancestors? What's he talking about? He's talking about a covenant, right? He's saying, violating the covenant makes me mad enough to want to rub your nose in the doo-doo, is the Brian Lee translation. Right? Judah has been unfaithful. Anybody know the story of Judah in the Old Testament? Remember Judah? He had, a, he had a son who married a woman. The son died. And the Old Testament tradition was that when the son died, that the younger brother, or the, whatever brother was left, the next in line was supposed to marry that woman, right? To raise up seed, to honor his brother, to keep the family name alive. Yep. Well, this brother didn't want her. And the next brother died. And so she's alone now. And Judah, she, Judah wouldn't give her the next son in line. I'm not saying that this is exactly how our culture is supposed to be, but we're showing you what Judah did to this woman. He made her live by herself with no companionship, perhaps for decades. And there's some women today that are in a marriage where they feel like they've been alone with no companionship for decades. And he said, Judah has been unfaithful, and the detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. He put, a, he put more pressure on his wife than he put a, I'm trying to be sweet. He put more pressure on the woman than he did on himself. That's ungodly. Gentlemen, she's not made to carry that load. We talked about this a little bit before. I'm, I'm going to... Can you hang on with me for a few more minutes? We talked about this a little bit before. You can tell the value of a vessel by what you put in it. You wouldn't take your jewelry, right, and put it in a nasty old coffee can, right, somewhere that you had in your back of your garage, right, where you put your nuts and bolts and junk, right? By the same token, you wouldn't put your nasty nuts and bolts and stuff in a golden vase right you can determine the value of the vessel by what is put into it gentlemen we are supposed to pour just like christ does the church our very best into our wife we're not we're not supposed to use our marriage for a dumping ground we're not supposed to use our wife for a beast of burden we're supposed to be taking pressure off of her not putting pressure on her. This is what Judah did. <clears throat> Verse 12. May the Lord cut off from the nation of, every, of Israel every last man that has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. So they were bringing offerings saying, Lord, bless me. And God had a problem with it. So much of a problem that he said, I'm going to rub your nose in the doo-doo. You bring me an offering, smell the doo-doo. <laughs> i got to say what this says, right? I'm getting it in street language here for us. And what was their sin? What was their crime that he was indicting them with? Here it is. 
You cover the Lord's, verse 13, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. Why are they weeping and groaning? Because he doesn't accept their offerings. Just like Cain did. Why? Why are they weeping? They're not getting what they want. Is that what a man's supposed to do? Put himself first? My needs first, my stuff first, my guns, my fishing poles, my bass boat, my hot rod. Nothing wrong with hot rods, motorcycles, airplanes, I mean, vacation homes. There's nothing wrong with any of it. But is it in the right, is it in the right priority? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Is me and my stuff first, or is the woman that you gave me to bear my children and to be my companion in life, does she come first? Because I can tell you, Bubba, if you. Not supposed to say Bubba. If you put her first, you'll get everything your heart desires. I can just tell you. The Bible says, He that finds a wife. Huh? What's it say? Finds a good thing. And obtains what? Favor. What's that favor do for you? Buddy, I can tell you that favor. If you're a contractor, I don't care if you're working a job. I don't care if you're flipping hamburgers. That favor will make you rich. Because you put God's daughter first. Just like Jesus did for the church. Boy, I'm going to get it when I get home. <laughs> she's looking at me. She's going, here we go, big boy. You're going to pull out that. You're going to buy this and that. Yes, I am. You know, I put, when we first got married, when we first got married, she'd say, hey, you know, she's so easy to get along with. She'd say, hey, can I have some money for this or can I have some money for that? And I'm, you know, I kind of felt bad because, you know, when, when she married me, she was cool. She didn't need me and my money. But then we got married. She said, hey, can I have some money for this? Can I have some money for that? I'm like, sure, whatever you want, whatever you want. Finally, I said, I'm just going to put money in your checking account. You just go spend. Don't, don't even talk to me about what you spend. I don't want to know. I don't care. So every money, I, I have an automatic transaction that goes into her where she can get at it, where she can spend it. And I don't ask her. I don't check, I don't check it. I don't care. And I'm going to increase it. What? <laughs> Amen. Because she's worth that and a lot more. Amen. Putting up with me? Are you kidding? I know you probably think I'm really easy to live with. Huh? I could probably come off with some kind of teddy bear, right? Shush. Here's the man at the altar. Lord, how come you want, how come my prosperity ain't working? I'm tithing, I'm sowing, I'm giving, how come it ain't working? Hmm. He's like. That's why. How's that smell? <laughs> you guys are going to all whoop me in the parking lot at the church, huh? <laughs> if you can get past your wife, right? You cry out, verse 14, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you've been unfaithful to her. Though she remains your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. 
Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you're his. You are his. And what does he want? God, godly children from your union. God puts you together because he wanted children. Say children. children. This culture will tell you that having babies is bad. That's a lie from hell. Having babies is awesome. Me and Michael were talking about this. He like in school, like everybody said, no, having kids ruins your life. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's more of us now. There's more love. Our house is filled with more love, more laughter, more joy. It's not bad having children. It's awesome. It's wonderful. The devil, devil, you're a liar. You've lied to my people enough. Having children is wonderful. Got me all hot and bothered up here, you guys. Because he wanted children. So guard your heart, he says. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce. And remember, what's divorce? It's dividing the money. And you don't have to have a piece of paper for that. You can say, well, this is mine, that's yours. Don't mess with mine, I won't mess with yours. Shush. What's that? I don't know what that is, but that's not a covenant. Because in a covenant, you're all in or you're not in. That's what Jesus said. He said, you want to follow me? Cost you everything. And, and, you know, people out there in the dark, they think, well, I couldn't do that. I'd have to give up all this stuff that's killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you will. You come in the light and God opens your eyes and you see all that stuff was only killing you. God wants to give you a real life. That's what marriage is too. Unless and until you can come to that covenant table and give that woman, women, give that husband everything. Every, I said everything. You know, I got to tell you that people have different ways of running their households. Some people say, well, we got separate checking accounts and it looks like it works okay. I don't get it. I don't get it. My wife is a signer on all of my accounts. All of our accounts. I took her down to the bank and I put her name on all of my accounts. She could clean me out before sundown. Glory. Amen. The way that you handle money is perhaps the most accurate barometer of your deeper spiritual life. And the way that money is handled in a marriage is perhaps the most easy to read barometer of the intimacy in your marriage. It's not sex. Remember we talked about koinonia for weeks, right? Koinonia is the New Testament model of giving. It's sharing. It's sharing everything on an intimate, deep level. Again, again, there's, people have different ways of dealing with stuff. But Cindy and I, we have, we have no prenuptial agreement. She probably should have had one. 
And I mean, in this culture, sometimes a single guy will marry a, I mean, a guy will marry a single mom because she's got food stamps, Section 8. That's an abomination. If he, listen, let me give you a little help here. If he don't work before you married him, what makes you think he's going to work after you marry him? Girls, don't be a fool. That's why, for me, being alone for a few years was the best thing that ever happened to me. Because I, I, I learned how to cook an egg. <laughs> I learned how to wash my own clothes. I learned how to sew up holes in my own socks. So if she does any of that for me, it's a gift. It's not a demand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about secret spending and stuff like that. But I've used up all my time preaching the gospel today, so... If you want to have intimacy, the kind of intimacy that Jesus allows us to have with him. Look at, look at what he made available. Jesus didn't lock you out of none, none of the treasure house of heaven. There's not one door in heaven that's locked to you if you're, if you're a member of his body. There should be no part of your life, gentlemen, that your wife is locked out of. I tell, I tell Cindy, she said... I said, why don't you go hunting with me? She, she doesn't like hunting. She doesn't like fishing. But I tell her, I want you to go with me because I do. I don't want to keep her out. Now, I understand it would be a real sacrifice for her to go hunting or fishing with me. We took her once, didn't we, Alex? Remember that? I take her now when we go hunting and I say, I'm going to go hunting there's a Walmart. <laughs> right? Go buy whatever you want. I'm going to go shoot whatever I see. Okay? We have a little agreement, right? And women, you should not, you should not lock your husband out of any, any of the secret chambers in your, in your heart or in your life. A lot of times what has happened, I'm almost done. Let me finish this, all right? I know I've gone long today. I've got to get this out. A lot of what has happened today in our culture is that we have a lot of wounded women. Okay? And so they've set up these barricades around their heart. Right? Say amen. Men, God has equipped you to love her until that she can voluntarily open those doors to her heart and allow you in every secret chamber of her life. And it'll be worth it, but it requires the sacrifice that Christ made for the church. You stand up. You may stand up, please. Stand up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I believe I said what I needed to say today. Did you get anything out of that today?